0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking Talent. I'm Nicole Fuqua, and you're listening to our audio series where we dig into issues related to talent acquisition. In today's episode, we're talking about the changing economy and what that means for talent acquisition programs. For the past about two years, the U.S. economy has been in recovery mode, regaining the jobs that were lost in the spring of 2020 as the COVID-19 pandemic spread across the globe. Now we're talking about the end of the great rehire. We're facing both high inflation and seeing strong job growth, and some experts are showing concern about the potential for an economic slowdown. So how should talent leaders respond in an economy full of mixed messages? What value do RPO partnerships add as employers hire at lower numbers? How can employers make sure they're hiring the best talent, despite the fact that there are still millions more job openings than there are Americans looking for work? Joining me back on the podcast today to talk about this is Rick Bittori, People Scouts Managing Director of the Americas. Rick, welcome back and thanks for joining me again.
1: Hey, thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here today.
0: Now I want to get us started today by talking about the state of the US economy. Looking at some of the most recent numbers, we are seeing just some mixed messages. Inflation remains high and while job growth is slowing, it it remains strong. The Federal Reserve is increasing interest rates in hopes of averting a slowdown. So what does all of this mean for employers?
1: Well, gosh, when you started out like that, I thought you were going to tell me you had the answer, uh, Nicole, but um, it, it's it's I think there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, for folks. Uh, it's not as clear uh, for organizations. Um, you know, certainly the pressure that we're seeing externally uh, is causing a number of organizations just to pause a bit and say, gosh, I know I've got openings, but um, should I expect? Uh, that it's going to be longer term. Uh, should I play a little bit more of a conservative uh, role? Uh, is there um, some impacts that that they're just not seeing? Um, what we're seeing is for critical positions, folks are moving just as fast as ever. Where uh, their client-facing roles, for example, they're uh, lining those up. They need to, and they're really spending a lot more time now too on trying to retain the folks uh, that they've got, and so. Uh, I would expect that for a period of time, we're we're going to kind of see what I would call a little bit of a a gas pedal brake pedal uh, from folks for a while and organizations who are trying to kind of read the tea leaves of 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 what you know the economic picture looks like. And so, from our standpoint, we're just looking to align ourselves and be ready to support our our clients, whether it's in. Um, you know, an immediate ramp up where they see that they've had need. Maybe they have paused for a little longer than they anticipated. Or in some cases, they've come to us and have said, hey, we need to back down a bit. And so we'll adjust our teams uh, to support them appropriately and being ready to, to kind of work back with them. But I think for a period of time, we're going to have a little bit of this and kind of the best way I could say it is just uncertainty where folks are trying to balance or where I'd say maybe a year ago, it was just really clear, you know, they needed to work to pull people off the couch and and get folks to work as we were all recovering uh, from some unique challenges in the past.
0: Thank you. And recently, we've, we've hit sort of a significant milestone in recent months. We have officially regained all of the jobs that were lost in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, essentially marking the end of what we've been calling the great rehire. So how has this reshaped the economy over the past two years?
1: Well, what we've seen is uh, talent acquisition teams within our clients just having to move it a speed that they haven't been used to and so you can imagine those organizations those teams uh just like other parts of the organization being impacted by turnover and so the the kind of the great rehire put just pressure on every area and so not only do you have needs in the organizations but then you've got needs within the teams who are supposed to be making those hires uh, within the organization uh, having the same kind of pressures the other thing we've seen is just the the impact on um, our clients' budgets, from this standpoint, because they weren't expecting uh, to, whether it's with us or with others, or just internally hiring folks, they weren't ex- expecting, you know, this this burst that they they had to had to go through. And so now they're trying to figure out kind of what's that what's that next step as as we kind of transition a bit. But I would expect again, you know, similar to what I what I mentioned before, that we're just going to have this pressure for a bit around. Uh, some of the some of the uncertainty yes all the jobs are back but there's still a record number of openings in many cases in many industries uh, there's a number of sectors that are still growing uh, strong and there's still challenges certainly in some areas of technology uh, healthcare, care life sciences there's some additional pressures that are happening just from a skill set standpoint and being able to attract and bring on talent so those pressures are going to continue
0: And to expand on that uncertainty, since we've hit the milestone of regaining all those lost jobs, the pace of hiring has slowed. But if we take our recent numbers, 263,000 new jobs in September, those historically are still very strong numbers. So we're really at this strange point where many analysts are saying that the pace of hiring is not slowing fast enough. So how does this change the hiring landscape?
1: I think it still um, puts some kind of undue pressure, if you will, on uh, on TA leaders uh, to try to figure out not only the number but the pace of those hires. So let's take for example. You've got companies that serve, you know, the consumer goods could be retail, could be distribution, logistics, and certainly, you know, kind of late Q3, Q4, and a little bit into Q1, you could argue that's a big part of uh, part of their business, a part of their revenue. And so, if you read uh, some of the insight, and even start to hear about uh, a little bit of our Christmas season, if you will, and kind of early shopping. Um, you've got you've got TA leaders who are are trying to think. Gosh, do I have the supply? Do I have the demand uh, that I need? Am I anticipating it? And yet um, they're also then kind of saying, maybe I've got to I've got to slow down a little bit. And so you've got these uh, kind of competing messages. Uh, I think that are still resonating with them. And and so it's it's a little bit harder to try to balance because uh, nobody wants to get caught by surprise. Think about uh, a store for example or or a um, distribution logistics center that all of a sudden waited too long to hire folks and now uh, you know it's just after Thanksgiving and the press is on for the bounce of the the season and uh, and they lose revenue because they didn't have people ready to work and so I, I think this from a how does it change the landscape for employers I think it's just another wrinkle for trying to deal with uh, some challenging, uh, employment issues that we've just never never faced before. And it's because it's happening so fast that uh, it's, it's kind of causing some of this chaos. And so, you know, they may uh, look to um, some temporary resources to help in those areas because they don't have to make those longer term hiring decisions. Uh, they may look for um, organizations who can they can partner with to provide uh, different services. So outsourcing some of the some of the work. And so I, th- I think it's just going to put some uh, additional pressure on them to be creative in, in how they, they tackle this without, uh, you know, in many cases, a lot, of, a lot of clear information, a lot of insight that they can see straight line to that would give them, you know, kind of clear direction.
0: Speaking of partnerships, you and I have talked quite a bit in the past about how valuable an RPO partnership can be during the types of hiring spikes and surges we've seen over the past two years, 18 months or so. So looking at our current economic reality, what value does an RPO provider really have now as employers settle into more of a steady state of hiring?
1: Well, the value proposition is, is still uh, very strong in the fact that talent acquisition leaders, HR departments within organizations can start to spend, you know, more of their time on uh, kind of enhancing, if you will, the, the employer brand, right? So taking kind of the next steps um, to say, how can we improve uh, our attraction and in the, in the work that we do? And they can certainly partner with With our PO partners, that's part of the value we provide as well. But there's a big then move to uh, retaining the talent that they have. And so, um, yes, a talent team, an internal talent team can build uh, a team up for steady state. um, But history tells us it's never always at steady state. So companies hire uh, at different rates throughout the year. And so uh, those organizations would still have to think about you know, they want to scale up and scale down their teams. Uh, So it's not necessarily just related to a pandemic or kind of where we're, where we're coming out of. The other part about really partnering with an RPO is an RPO has uh, connections with so many different clients and so many different industries and so many different technologies. It's a great way for organizations to kind of get best of breed insight and, um, and ideas into that. So one of the, the most popular parts of a QBR is the quarterly business reviews we do with clients is around what else is happening. What are other people doing? what technologies are out there? What innovations as far as process? Um, what suggestions do you have for us? And so when uh, somebody pulls that all internally, uh, they lose they lose that that piece of of insight which we would argue is pretty valuable you know under any any economic cir- uh, circumstances. Uh, the other thing is, as um, the organization goes through any change, it could be through maybe an acquisition, could be through a divestiture, uh, could be uh, just a, one brand, one department kind of growing faster than another. Uh, having an external partner that's got a variable workforce uh, just allows for that to happen. And so, again, we see that as just a normal part of the way that we, that we do business. Um, part of what we also explore with clients during that time is, um, you know, what other parts of the process could we we improve for them? And so in some cases where we're doing sourcing and screening and recommending candidates, we would explore, gosh, maybe we should pilot going all the way through making uh, a hiring decision in partnership with the client and how that could help uh, drive. A better experience for the applicant, or a more efficient process, or a more cost-effective uh, process. So it never ends. A good partnership will always have some of these dynamics. Always have some of these discussions.
0: Thank you. And technology is part of any strong talent acquisition program. What is the role of technology in today's market?
1: Well, I know in the past we've talked, you know, quite a bit on how technology. Um, can add kind of efficiency, reduce friction in the process. But I think one of the areas we haven't spent a lot of time is around the experience uh, for for the applicant. And so certainly thinking about the applicant being able to control the process, having more at their fingertips. And I just go back to, you know, anything we might do as a consumer. Once we started on our mobile device, we want to finish it uh, there. And so technology allows us to to still kind of work and find the right balance of what is automated and what requires kind of human, uh, intervention. The other part about, you know, technology is there's a lot that we can learn from kind of history and people's kind of tendencies and behaviors and, Uh, steps that they've, they've completed in a process, for example. So there's a, there's a a ton going on from a machine learning standpoint, being able to use kind of AI to, uh, to help kind of prioritize activities in outreach and to help with um, automated communications to folks who are in the process. So it provides recruiting teams, quite honestly, whether they're RPO or internal to uh, a business, it, gives them, you know, a little bit more horsepower, if you will, to be able to to reach out to multiple folks uh, and then also be able to prioritize. Um, One of the things we're excited about with some technology we've got here at PeopleScout is something called Diversity Boost, um, which allows us to, you know, partner with our clients around diversity initiatives they have uh, to leverage uh, machine learning and some insight into our applicants to support those strategies. Uh, something we're really, really excited about. Those are those are a number of, of things as I look at technology, uh, they're going to continue to be a part of our space.
0: I want to circle back now to something you had mentioned earlier in our conversation today, and that is the topic of employer branding and how important it is right now. So what would you say is the role of employer branding in this late 2022 market?
1: It's probably been more discussion about this uh, over the last year and a half than, than ever in the past, and a big part of it is uh, driven by kind of the change in workforce, kind of the selection and, and choices that applicants have had. And this is an area that we encourage all of our clients to spend some time on, whether it's uh, through partnering in in you know our relationships with us, we've got some resources and some capabilities. And some tools to do this, or if they do it on their own, uh, to get a good third-party perspective on uh, their brand, how that comes across to an applicant. And I'll give you a good example or a couple of them here. So we were, we were talking with one of our clients around, uh, you know, the value proposition that they've got in their organization, and it's a strong one about, you know, someone who joins the organization and starts early and kind of the progression that they could have um, through a career at this at this company and they have some great success stories and some videos from existing uh, employees that kind of talk along the journey. And they're, it, it's, a, it's a great story. It's a great message. Uh, the challenge is uh, there's a portion of the uh, applicant pool today that isn't taking the time to read that story. And so they're passing up on that first job because they don't have visibility and they do they really have the time. And so we had to work with this organization to kind of recraft this into a, a series of chapters, if you will. Um, and to, to kind of help them um, say, listen, you really need to sell this first job. Where in the past, selling the long-term, um, you know, got the job done. Today, it's really around making sure that they understand the value, the immediate value that they get. And then once they're in, um, you kind of unpack that. The other thing is, you know, organizations that are, Uh, really proud and and it's justified because they're customer centric. They might serve uh, a customer base and they want to make sure that that customer knows that they're the most important thing. Um, In the uh, applicant's eyes at that moment, they think they're the most important thing. And so working with clients just to kind of fine tune uh, those messages along the way, uh, taking some of the good work that's been done uh, not changing it, obviously, but taking some of the good work that's been done and just really trying to say, how does this benefit an applicant? And so to, to me, those are the steps. Those, that's the type of the work that needs to be uh, done right now as it relates to employer branding, because we're going to have some challenges still in attracting folks, keeping them in the kind of the process and then uh, ultimately closing them. And part of that EVP up front and proper positioning also helps support retention you know,
0: are those folks gonna stay with us? And speaking of some of the challenges, one of the things we have seen emerge as a persistent issue is that despite recovering all of these jobs lost in the early days of the pandemic, the labor participation rate has remained really just stubbornly low. We're still standing pretty significantly below pre-pandemic levels. And as employers are continuing to compete for talent in this market, what can employers do to really pull in more of those sidelined workers
1: that's yeah, a that's a great question and one you know that uh we're talking to every single one of our clients about today is just how do they how do they get more at the top of the funnel and and uh, a big reason why is there's you know so many different choices for people um as we've talked about before even when they start there's the Probability or a chance that they're going to exit uh, and uh, get an offer from someone else. Uh, So we go back to some of the basics, Nicole. First of all, you know we say to our clients, just make sure you've got a really solid referral program in place. Uh, That might be, you know, kind of simple when you think about it, but it's it's still one of the strongest ways uh, to grow an organization. Uh, If they're satisfied folks that are working. Uh, they're going to be more in, uh, likely to invite folks in and to share those experiences. So making sure, number one, that you're taking care of the folks you have so that they feel good about um, inviting people to come into the organization and, and putting some some dollars behind that. You know, some incentives uh, certainly helps. The second second thing we we talk to folks about is just in, the, um, you know, advertising, starting to think about, you know, adjacent skills for certain roles. And so in the past, we're. You know, they may have had uh, really tight requirements to try to open those up a bit, and uh, think about some uh, training that might take place on site for someone. So, for example, if there are certain skills that are required for them to come in uh, to work in a customer service role, and maybe some numbers of years of experience, is kind of lightening up on that and trying to find someone with the core attributes and and being able to work from uh, from there. In line with that is kind of upskilling, being able to Uh, take folks uh, and really kind of move them through on a path to get them to where you need to be. Uh, Another idea that we talked to our clients about is taking a look at their job descriptions and refreshing those so that uh, they're more attractive to a broader range of folks and also making sure that the most important parts of the job and working for the company uh, are covered in the first handful of statements. And so oftentimes um, folks are trying to put so much information in those job descriptions. And what we're seeing today is that applicants just aren't spending the time to to look at those. We think there's an opportunity to think about, you know, splitting shifts up. So oftentimes where, you know, organizations want to have, you know, one person in working 40 hours a week that that might have to be filled with a split shift and thinking through some ways uh, to getting uh, it's getting a team built up. Certainly, um, you know any type of uh, sign-on incentives are helpful. Retention bonuses, those types of things that that keep folks uh, excited to be uh, to be a part of the um, the organization are, are really helpful. Another one is just making sure you've got a good um, strategy uh, to reach a diverse workforce. And so uh, many times um, organizations uh, are working to get this built. Uh, But it's one that we think uh, creates great opportunity. It could be, for example, uh, you know, just uh, focusing on a group of veterans. And so, you know, reaching out to them and their spouses. But as part of that process, making sure that uh, the job descriptions for roles kind of tie into the relevant experience that somebody might have had serving in our military. And so, those are just a handful of things uh, that we think organizations can do, you know, any type of creative ways to. To extend reach, to think about uh, non-traditional applicant pools, uh, thinking about you know arming everyone in your organization with a business card that's got contact information on the back to apply for jobs. You know certainly we see a lot in retail where every receipt uh, has you know instructions on how folks can join the team. Uh, we think right now for a period of time it's just got to be an all kind of hands uh, full press on uh, making sure that the top of the funnel is as rich as it can be.
0: Thank you. And, you know, today we've talked a lot about challenges and solutions. So what would you say are some of the biggest opportunities for talent leaders right now?
1: The biggest opportunity I'd say today is just to just to status, to kind of challenge status quo. So the reason I say that now is because the last 18 months in a lot of cases have been firefighting right? People haven't had the the time. They've wanted to take a look, but they just haven't had the time to do it. And so I think one of the biggest opportunities we have in any size organization is just to stop and breathe for a second and say, okay, what has the last year and a half taught us? What have we seen, you know, kind of when we had to ramp down dramatically and then ramp back up dramatically? What did we learn about the way we responded as an organization, as a company, did we truly um, put ourselves in the best position to uh, secure everyone who came through the process? How about our technology? Are we at the right place? How about our compliance? Are we making sure that we're doing everything that we need to Did the pandemic introduce some additional challenges that um, we hadn't anticipated? And so I I think that's probably one of the biggest opportunities is for leaders to take their teams and, and leverage the knowledge that um, they've all gained from you know the last year and a half, two years, and and reflect on it and put it to use. Um, potentially bragging dragging you know a partner to to kind of help with that. I also think there's an opportunity to to invest in the folks that have been with the organization and kind of stayed through it, as we've had a number of folks leave uh, an organization and jump for better opportunities. Uh, there's an opportunity to kind of look at the folks who stayed and say, okay, what was, what was um, kind of the drivers behind their motivation and trying to understand that. And then also recognize there their opportunities for, for those folks kind of following up on that. I believe there's an opportunity to, to put together a campaign and even reach out to folks who may have left, who they thought the grass was a little greener on the other side. This is, this is something we're we're looking at here at people scout i like to talk about on our quarterly um uh, kind of uh, town hall meetings on the number of folks who have left and have decided to come back and we've we've shared a couple of those stories uh folks about you know kind of what they were looking for what they left when they left and uh, what they realized they missed and what uh what they're excited to be back for and so those are a handful of opportunities. Again, some of them are more just kind of reflection. Some of them are more, you know, how do we take what we've learned and put it to use on the the folks that stayed and the folks that left?
0: Well, that is the perfect place for us to wrap up. Rick, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much and uh, have a great day. Talk soon
0: and thank you for listening. If you have any questions that we didn't cover today, you can send them our way. You can email us at marketing at peoplescout.com, or you can find us on social media. Just search People Scout on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, visit our website or subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Talking Talent is a People Scout production. Music by Sound Design through Shutterstock.